0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show in partnership with the awesome Najahi events. More about them later. But today, we have a LinkedIn expert on the show. This Australian has over 1 million followers on LinkedIn. He's the host of LinkedIn's first ever TV show, Level Up TV, and he was named one of the top influencers to follow in 2021. And if you didn't guess, my guest today is the brilliant Ahmad Imam. And if you're not familiar with him, he helps experts create impactful content and increases their reach, visibility, and engagement. He has grown his own profile using tried and tested strategies and he helps his clients to do the same. So I'm looking forward to picking his brains. Today, he's here in Dubai and he's going to share exactly what you need to be doing on LinkedIn to showcase your expertise, reach your target audience, and stand out from the crowd. I'm looking forward to hearing more from the man himself. So let's get stuck in. So first of all, thank you for coming to join us on the show today. Most people can't say your name, but obviously we're in the Middle East, so we know how to say it much better than, than <laughs> others do. So, yeah. Ahmad, t- tell me a little bit about yourself, because, you know, you've got this monster following on LinkedIn. you have kind of like, I don't know anybody else that actually has, that, that's kind of regular, let me put it that way, that has such a big audience. Right. And I sit there with my 30,000 followers thinking I'm kicking ass, and then I see someone like you, and I'm like, oh, I just told don't, know. I just give up, I give up. So you're here in the Middle East and it's great to have you here in Dubai. You've got Egyptian heritage as well. So all of the people here in the Middle
1: East will have an affinity to you. Yeah. So just tell us a bit about that story. Sure. I'll get to the LinkedIn part. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it started in Egypt. I was born in Egypt. Uh, my family's from Egypt. We immigrated to Australia when I was four years old. And the reason is that my dad actually studied uh, in Australia and completed his PhD. He saw a world of opportunity um, that wasn't you know, where he was from in Egypt, which is a very, very small village. Um, And so he made a big decision to move the family across to Australia and leave everything behind. So he left his job behind. He left his family, uh, you know, his his family is in... um, Extended family. Extended family. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. (laughs) Left his extended family behind, home, car, the whole lot. And so packed up, we moved to Australia and started from scratch to the point that for the first six months we lived in a motel. So a one-room motel. My fondest memory is my mum making us uh, scrambled eggs for dinner and just feeding us from a frying pan, you know, and all of us just sitting around this small motel room table and just, and just feasting on that. And that, that is, um, yeah, it's one of my fondest memories, but I was also too young to actually appreciate what that all meant, you know, in terms of the sacrifices they made. So I started school not knowing how to speak a word of English, so I was fluent in Arabic at that time, and, yeah. and what, what really sucks now is I've lost the Arabic. Oh, no. I can understand it perfectly, at least the Egyptian dialect. Um, but when I speak it, I probably sound like a I don't know, four- or five-year-old equivalent trying to speak <laughs> Arabic, so I don't attempt it. Um, but I picked it up during school. Um, the only thing is I looked very different, I sounded very different, I behaved very different. And during my schooling years, I experienced quite a bit of um, bullying and that continued on to uh, the high school years. My dad worked his ass off to get uh, my sister and I into a prestigious private school. And, you know, that, how that worked is, you know, my father could not get a job here um, within his field, which is entomology, the study of insects. Um, there was just no demand for it here. So it's usual immigrant story, um, which is... You can't get a job there. You have to do something to make ends meet. He actually started driving taxis and that continued for 20 years. You know, it just continued on and on until he owned his own taxi and had employees. But he worked, I remember, about 16 to 18 hours per day busting his balls, excuse my French, mm. to get us into a elite private school um, because he understood the importance um, of the opportunities to come um, by making that investment. You know, so I'm very, very proud that he did that because, you know, I can speak the way I do now and have the connections like I do because of that move. So I, to rewind a little bit, I got to about age 17, 18 um, after being bullied quite a bit, um, losing a bit of self-esteem, being one of the only uh, brown-skinned kids in this prestigious private school. Um, And everyone else comes from a very wealthy elite family. And my family was literally just, you know, struggling to put us into this school. Um, I was... Someone I had very, very low self-esteem at that point, very low confidence, very low opinion of myself uh, because I started to believe all the things that people were saying to me and um, that's the that's mm. the worst thing about bullying in my opinion. That's what's really sad about it. You start to believe what people say about you. I started working at a pizza place upon finishing school. So I was literally just making pizzas and washing dishes and the owner of the pizza place was this uh, serial entrepreneur and... He almost became a bit of a mentor figure to me. Um, and he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. I don't know what he saw in me. Um, but towards my end of my time at this pizza place, he actually gifted me something that changed everything for me. And he gifted me this 24-disc CD set by Tony Robbins. It was called Personal Power 2. Um, and this is Tony Robbins back in the day where his name was Anthony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And he looked like a bit of an accountant with the suspenders and yeah. the white business shirt. But i went home i put on that cd and it changed everything for me so i from that point on i decided to challenge um, my confidence i decided to challenge my courage um, i would do things that um, scared the jesus out of me at that point like volunteer to do uh, sales presentations or volunteer to MC a friend's wedding just to build up that courage um, and some of the skills that i felt that i needed public speaking skills being able to actually speak to someone and look them in the eyes mm-hmm. and uh, feel like I deserve to take up the voice space. Mm-hmm. And I did that over a series of years. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, it was like a 10 to 15 year journey of building up that skill set and some of the qualities that people have innately. So, it was a bit of a journey for me. Um, and this leads into uh, me learning sales, uh, me uh, growing into a sales manager, or a sales leader, um, and eventually finding my way on LinkedIn some 15 years later. <laughs> and for me, LinkedIn was an experiment, um, an experiment to see what it was all about. Is it a waste of time? Um, what is content creation? If I put out a piece of content, will people even see it? Or will there be crickets? And I put out my first video and um, I still remember it. I was sitting in in my in the passenger seat of my car um, and I held up the phone horizontally, pressed record and just started speaking. And I think I spoke about... Um, how you shouldn't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 50. And I didn't realize how ironic it was at the time. But I put it out, I got about 180 views and I thought that was incredible. I thought that was really exciting. Um, I don't know, about 10 or 12 likes. Um, <laughs> and uh, For those of you that are watching this,
0: we've got a fly on the set. It's driving us all <laughs> mad, but we can't get rid of it. So if any of
1: you see us waving our hands around, you know why. Yeah, we're not just crazy, there is an actual fly on the set. <laughs> Um, so that was the first video. Um, it went better than I expected, but you know, comparatively, it, uh, it didn't perform too well. Mm. And then I decided to experiment, and I put out my second video, and I thought, you know what, Like, I'm not going to care about what, what I look like, what I sound like, I'm just going to focus on my message. You know, that's what's most important, the actual message. And I just started speaking my truth in this second video, and I told a story about um, how six years prior to that video, um, that I was... In between jobs, I was applying for a number of positions as Ahmad Imam, (laughs) and I was applying for positions that were very much within my reach. So I wasn't stretching, they were very much within my reach. And I remember getting rejected by about 30 positions, right? So I applied through the recruiters. I got rejected um, by about 30 different recruiters. And I thought that was odd, like not even a callback for one, like not even a first interview for one. And so anyway, I was joking with some of my friends about it and you know, we're having a bit of a laugh and you know, they're all friends of different cultures and races and they're like, what if it was your name? Imagine it was your name that actually turned them off. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it couldn't be. And then I thought about it for a bit and I thought, you know what? What if I did conduct a bit of an experiment? What if I took my resume and changed the name at the top of the resume from Ahmad Imam to Adam Smith? And so I did that. <laughs> So I changed my, I left my resume exactly the same. I changed the name at the top of the resume from Ahmed Imam to Adam Smith, the most anglicized name that I could think of. Yeah. And I sent it to the same 30 recruiters. Yeah. And the very next day, I got four callbacks. <laughs> I, I know this. I've been on this journey myself
0: when employing people in sales years ago here in Dubai and the same problem. Guys with names similar to yours, calling up Westerners, being instantly rejected. you know anything and they changed their name to a western name and all of a sudden there was there was acceptance
1: hurrah yeah so i told that story in video yeah um and i didn't expect too much from it i mean i was just i was being very real in the way i'm being with you now and i put out the video and it went insanely viral Um, and that's where it all started and keep in mind at that time i might have had a few thousand followers and the video reached hundreds of thousands of views and all of a sudden there was a community of people um, in the comments, everything from recruiters saying that, um, yes, this does happen in the industry, unfortunately, to to job seekers saying that, yes, this has happened to me, to people that were just in shock at the story. Um, And from there, just like I got put on the map from this one video, um, I started receiving connections and followers. People were inviting me onto podcasts and interviews. Um, I started speaking on diversity and bias and, and a number of different things. Um, And that's where it all started from. So from there, I realized that the LinkedIn that I thought it was is actually very different um, to what it could be. And what I mean by that is everyone was using LinkedIn to present their best professional selves and put their best foot forward and and give business tips and this and that. and, And it's all well and good. You have to provide education. Very few people were just being real. Tell me what year this was. This was late uh late 2018.
0: so in the space of what we've got three four years almost
1: under three years now three
0: years yeah you've gone three years and you've gone from almost nothing to a million yeah okay so you're you've created this there'll be people listening and watching right now going yeah but you were lucky with that video it went viral you were lucky you know you did it wasn't anything else it was just you were lucky they can't do that sure but After that video went viral, how much time did you spend thinking about how to make a viral video?
1: I didn't spend much time at all before I put out my next one. Okay. Yeah.
0: And how did that perform the next one?
1: Very well. So I mean, I started getting very creative. Uh So I realized the formula was actually quite simple. You peel back a few layers and you present yourself as a human instead of a professional. And there are very few people doing that at that time. There are lots of people doing it now um, because they realize the formula works. And the other, the other part of the formula is LinkedIn is very still, very, very hungry, starving for creative content. And so I actually did something pretty crazy at the time. So about a few months later, I thought, you know what, how far can I take this creative thing? Um, and I had an idea and I thought this could either completely bomb or this could potentially go viral and show this other side of me. And a lot of people don't know this, but in my early 20s, I was a rapper. I was a I was a very amateur, failed hip-hop artist. Um, that's
0: mad that you say that. Would you ever imagine that?
1: <laughs> I can show you photos. That's a million hilarious. other things. I'd have, have been, okay, a rapper. I'll cool. tell you what. I'll send you photos so you can actually show the photos. Okay, yeah, please. If when we're yeah, we, we talking be about good, this segment. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. So my rap name was The Ra. I had a song called The Rara and everything. It was (laughs) lyric, but I mean, I had this passion for performing and passion for rapping, and I thought, you know what? What if I just kind of brought that back and kind of put it on LinkedIn? But I rapped maybe something about branding or social media, and um, and so I got together with a group of three other people that I met through LinkedIn. They were also professionals that liked to rap, and we thought, what if we put out the first rap? video rap collaboration on linkedin and so we decided to do that so we called it um pass the mic right so we had one beat and i started rapping and then i would do one verse and the beat would continue but it would pass the mic to someone in la and then we had brooklyn and then we had someone um uh whereabouts in dc washington dc and we put out that video and um it went viral again um, and people were talking about it, they were blown away or something that was refreshing. Um, and when you think about it, when you're scrolling through the feed, especially at that time, we just have text post, text post, text post, okay, five tips about growing a business, LinkedIn's first rap collaboration, you know what I mean? Um, so that created a bit of a buzz. And from there, I was contacted by a friend of mine who was actually a branding expert in the States. And he said, look, I've actually got a bit of a talent where I can beatbox, and I've seen you rap. You're an incredible rapper. Why don't we do something that is a little bit next level? And I said, "I said, what are, we, what are you talking about? And he goes, what if we did a actual rap music video and we just involved a whole bunch of people on the platform? And so we started talking about it, and what turned into something that was going to be me and him just rapping and beatboxing and having a few cameos turned into... Uh, 70 influencers on the platform that him and i contacted individually and had cameo in this music video and that included uh damon john Um, it included claude silver from vayner media Uh Um, and it was just it was super super fun i'll send you a clip of that too and we just kind of spoke about branding about community and it really changed the dynamic of the platform um, and I'm not saying that in an arrogant way but people started to realize that you know what you can actually kind of be yourself <laughs> you can kind of let loose you can peel back a few layers and show people this other side of you and so from there we started seeing people um putting out dancing videos um you know people doing you know showcasing their hobbies and interests and um it really changed the culture a little bit and so we were featured in Forbes and Inc for that um and I mean, we we just, <coughs> and I I just continued to start, uh, continue to uh, try and break that mold and be as disruptive as I possibly can. So I did that consistently, and as I did that, the following just grew and grew, and word of mouth spread. And I made sure that I appeared um, at the opening of an envelope. <laughs> you know, if I was yeah. invited to a podcast, I would I would be branding myself, I would yeah. be um, marketing myself, I'll be talking about what I did and. Um, asking that people follow and um, and you know enjoy the journey and it started growing from there exponentially and what's amazing is once you once you build a certain following and there are certain there are certain uh, levels uh, if I can use that word so you get to let's say about 30,000, 50,000, hundred thousand you find your following does seriously start to increase exponentially so to give you an example it took me about uh, 12 months to grow to about 50K. By year two, I had grown to about, I think, 100 to 120. And year three, I'd grown from 120 to a million. So, I mean, it was, it was insane. Um, and now what's incredible is I can use my influence and visibility to just create opportunities. And that's, that's a message I really want to spread. Um, you can seriously just create opportunities if you build that visibility for yourself and you actually put yourself out there authentically. So it's been a hell of a journey, <laughs> long story short. There's a lot of
0: people out there that would like to have a million followers. And I say there's three things that people want in life. If you sell any of these three things, you're onto a winner, okay? And these three things are, people want to buy get rich quick. Right. They want to buy lose weight fast. And they want to buy significance, which is followers. right? I, I don't mean necessarily buy followers, but they want to have that. You know, If everyone has a million followers, they'll be happier. And I find right. it really interesting when, when you see people selling stuff You know, and and there couldn't be a more important example in terms of money and greed right now than cryptocurrency. You know, most people don't understand what it is. Most people have got no idea what the blockchain is and how it works, yet they're invested in it because they think there's a fast buck to be made. And you take every single diet that's come out over the course of the last 20 years, which is the Dukin diet, the Cambridge diet, the California diet, you know, the Atkins diet, whatever it may be, these diets have become massive hits because people want to find a shortcut. Yeah, to getting to get to losing weight, ten kilos in a week. Right, where do I sign up? You know, when it comes to getting followers, there's people have different opinions on different platforms. There are different things. You know, when TikTok came out, everyone said that's just about dancing. You know, who who needs to be there? Yet there's been proven that TikTok is really applicable for certain people in certain industries. People have always looked at LinkedIn as kind of like the almost like the poor brother or the poor sister, okay, to these other platforms. Sure. Yet for me, no. But for most people, it's like, yeah, but LinkedIn's just, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, recruitment site, isn't it? And that for a long time, not so much now, but that for a long time was how it was perceived. As far as I'm concerned, if you've got a million followers anywhere, on any platform, you've got a million followers. That means you've got a huge audience that will be able to be influenced and educated by the content that you share.
1: Yeah.
0: you agree with me? 100%. So a lot of people, when they try and build an audience on LinkedIn, will go connecting, 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 connecting to people, you know, and LinkedIn over the years have reduced that down, the amount of people can connect with. Yep. But having followers is different to having connections, isn't it? Very much. Followers is people that are clicking to follow you. They're not clicking to connect with you. They're clicking to follow you because yep. they want to get your content. Yep. I know that there's not many people who are going to make a rap video. Okay. <laughs> And the people that are watching and listening to this right now are going to go, I'm not making a rap video. There's got to be another way than that, okay? I don't know anybody that beatboxes, and I couldn't even think of a rap name anyway. (laughs) I can come up with a rap name for you, I'm sure. (laughs) But what advice would you give to people that kind of get that it's important, but don't necessarily get committed to doing what they need to do? And then
1: what would you tell them to do? So first of all, in relation to LinkedIn, it started off as a, you know, a job seeker platform where you would showcase your, you know, your digital CV. And when video got introduced to LinkedIn about three, three and a half years ago, it fundamentally changed the platform into a content creation platform. And that's that's why we're seeing huge amounts of content created now. To answer your other question, obviously, people can't, a lot of people can't rap or dance or, or showcase themselves as, let's say, entertainers, and that's fine. What I teach my clients to do, and my clients aren't entertainers by any means, they're high net worth individuals, ultra high net worth individuals in very serious and professional occupations. I teach them to lean on their values more than anything. And if anything, that's fundamentally changed in business now in terms of trust, it's that especially uh, millennials, and, and definitely Gen Z is that they're not gravitating towards, you know, the, the bigger, larger brands that showcase all the marketing. They're gravitating towards personal brands more than anything and personal brands that then complements the business brands, right? Elon Musk versus Virgin, um, Gary V versus VaynerMedia. Um, it's been proven to work. And so what I ask my clients to do is to actually lean on their values, get clarity on their values, whatever that might be. And that's the foundation. So I've got clarity on my values. My values are kindness, optimism, growth, integrity, respect. And every single piece of content I put out touches on one of those values in some way. Um, And it's very much me being real, just as I would be if you were a client and I'm sitting face to face talking to you uh, in a first client meeting. Um, and that's that's the level of intimacy and connection that you need to make with your audience because ultimately what you're trying to do as a personal brand is find people a community of people that actually believe what you believe at your core and so if you're talking about your values and what you truly believe in and what you're passionate about and people gravitate towards you for that they're gravitating towards you for a very real thing and that builds not only a loyal following it builds raving fans and there's a big difference Okay, let's take me as a guinea pig here for a minute. Okay, the poorest performing content
0: I have on LinkedIn is micros of my podcast. Okay. That, without a doubt, performs the worst on LinkedIn.
1: Right. Performs... You mean relative to your other content pieces? Relative to all of the other content
0: pieces i produce. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like it's it's virtually ignored. It's that poor in terms of the engagement from people seeing a a one-minute micro. If that one minute micro is on Instagram or on Facebook, then that's a completely different response that I get from that when i when I do video content that's not micros but it's video content and me talking it doesn't have the same engagement as when I create written content and I'm right. controversial yeah okay so don't, i won't I won't do anything that's vanilla I do controversial because I think there's a I need to be honest with people that's yeah it. why do you think that that LinkedIn doesn't doesn't like one-minute video micros from a podcast or audiences on LinkedIn don't, but on Instagram they do.
1: It's the culture of the platform um, and it's really how the platform started. So, I mean, like I said, video has only been around for three years on LinkedIn. It's still relatively new considering LinkedIn's been around since 2002. And most people are absorbing text posts or image posts or scrolling through the feed and reading as opposed to viewing. And that's very different from Instagram. I mean, Instagram has... The reels now, TikTok, you know, has Mm -hmm. its six to 15-second videos. That's the culture on that platform that people expect. Um, Videos are also measured very, very differently from other content pieces. You know, so to receive a view as a video, you need to have someone watch it for at least three seconds, and then that counts as a view. Whereas on a text post or an image post, for example, all they need to do is press that see more button, and that counts as a view. So it's it's just a much easier way to absorb content The other thing is algorithm. And everyone talks about the algorithm and they have no idea what that means. Um, So, I mean, the algorithm, I mean, when people talk about the algorithm, it's almost like, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram have set a bunch of rules and then that's the rules that it goes by, which is not the case. You know, it's not like LinkedIn has said, from now on, videos are not going to perform as well or text posts are going to perform the best. It's based on human behavior. And that human behavior will then determine what the algorithm, which is a self-learning algorithm, actually decides to display to the audience. So if most people are absorbing content that is text posts and image posts, that's what the algorithm thinks that people want to see. And so we're kind of stuck in this constant cycle, which really sucks because I love video content. I think it's, there's no better way to position yourself as a personal brand than to have video content. Like when I was getting to know you, the first thing I did was jump on your LinkedIn and, and scroll through until I saw a video and I could see what you're like. <laughs> you know, your mannerisms, the way you walk, yeah. uh, the way you express yourself, what you're actually talking about. So I love videos, but it's the human behavior on a platform that dictates what the algorithm then does. So a lot of people spend time
0: running, well, wanting to sell their products online, products and services online, and they're busy running ads and they're trying to run ads to audiences and lookalike audiences and all this kind of wonderful stuff. And they generally don't get too much success on the ad creation on the ROI on the ad creation. A lot of people complain about being able to generate leads, but not very good leads. You know, they get few and far between their conversions are on those leads a week. And again, I'm no expert, but my belief has always been rather than running ads on a product you're trying to sell, why not run spend behind the content that you create and build your audience and then sell to your audience
1: once you've built your audience? Would you agree with that? 100%, spot on. So, I mean, the problem that we have is people are far too impatient. They're trying to build a following, but they're trying to sell at the same time. And that doesn't go hand in hand Yeah, because you can't build trust by doing both. And so the idea is that you invest in your brand for a while. And that might be for the first year or two years, not selling a single thing, but giving away a huge amount of free value in a form of content, educating, inspiring, uplifting content. And that's how it works. So I mean, I'm seeing people that grow a following of, Two to three thousand followers or connections, and they're like, "All right, I've got two or three thousand people that are now watching this channel. I'm going to start selling. I should be able to get maybe one or two percent of those people to convert, and that's the way they approach it. And before you know it, they've just destroyed the trust in the audience that they built because they're selling far too soon. So I mean, look at Gary V. Gary. It took Gary V. almost ten years to get to where he is now. Ten years of creating just free value add content. It took me three years to get to a million, and, and to this day. Believe it or not, I haven't sold a single thing. But I've attracted a whole bunch of opportunities my way to the point that I've built two businesses. One of them, that's a um, six-figure monthly business purely from LinkedIn and the visibility that I have from LinkedIn. So it works. But people are just selling themselves far too short and being too impatient far too early.
0: Okay, so can you spend money then promoting your own content on LinkedIn and do that effectively
1: to grow your audience? Yeah, you can. You can promote content and and you know your business page on LinkedIn your business page you can't promote a personal page just yet so
0: how do you build a personal brand if you can't spend money promoting it
1: you build a loyal community one person at a time okay
0: and how often should people be posting on LinkedIn
1: right now when you post something on LinkedIn it kind of disappears into a black hole after about one or two days as in it's no longer on the feed very rarely do people see it or engage on it So just by that standard, I would say to create a piece of content at least once every one one to two days. And the goal is to just remain in the feed, you know, whether it's by you posting content or engaging on content, but be visible in the feed.
0: And how important is controversy or a, I don't know, I support Trump opinion when it comes to segmenting an audience into people that are going to, you know, engage with you and think he's the same person as me and separate those ones that won't anyway?
1: <laughs> I've seen that happen a lot. So, I mean, people posting, you know, political content um, or seriously controversial content. Um, and it does certainly segment and it probably creates a lot of attention, just not the right attention. And it depends on what you're on the platform for. If you're on a platform to build a specific brand that is centered around politics or some sort of controversy, then by all means, go for it. If you're on a platform to build a personal brand that's going to complement your business, then no, it's not something that I would recommend. But I I will say, um, all the pieces of content of mine that have gone viral have either been disruptive, or they have been shocking vulnerability, um, or they have been controversial from a personal standpoint. Um, So doing something different works, but within limitations. When people connect with people on LinkedIn,
0: I get connection requests every day. Should I accept everybody or should I be
1: selective? I am selective about my connections. I'm not selective about my followers because that's not something I can control. So I don't care who follows me. Obviously, I love my audience, but anybody can follow me without me having to say accept or anything like that. But the people that I want as connections are people that I want to be decision makers and people that are closely aligned to the things that I have as business objectives or future aspirations.
0: Do you think people, if once they've built a, a relative audience, I don't know, whatever the number is, it doesn't matter, and they've been producing content on a consistent basis for, let's say, a year, do you think people should do outreach marketing on direct
1: approach marketing on LinkedIn? Look, again, it depends on what you're on LinkedIn for. So if you're on LinkedIn for lead generation, then by all means, it actually is very complementary. If you can build a solid brand and give free value and at the same time behind the scenes... The magic is happening in a direct message and you're actually reaching out to targeted people. And at that point, they go into your profile. They see this amazing profile with content that people have engaged on, lots of free value and it builds your social currency. That works. My clients, for example, um, that are high net worth and ultra high net worth clients, they're not on LinkedIn to generate leads. <laughs> you know, They've got very successful businesses. They're on LinkedIn because what they want to do is Transfer and translate their offline influence, and they have a lot of offline influence because of the positions that they have and the status that they have, and translate that to a strong online presence that builds their social currency. That's what they're looking to do. But that's,
0: for, for people listening to this podcast, that's a, a much smaller percentage it is okay yeah. you, your average joe your average guy that's uh i don't know general manager of xyz company or sales director of abc company here in the uae or uk or wherever he's he's looking at if i'm going to put time into this mm-hmm. i want something out of it yeah. yeah you know i'm selling my 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 uh, my products my service whatever it is so he, he has to if there's a strategy No matter how long it takes, if you know up front as a strategy, you can decide whether you want to do it. So if someone was to say to everybody, right, you've got to produce content every day, okay, that's interesting and valuable for 18 months, and then you can start marketing to your audience, then that's a formula that people can follow. If it is you've got to do it for three years, okay, and you can't do it unless you've got 25,000 followers or, or connections, then then there's there's a strategy to follow. I just don't think people know what it needs to be and that's why they get it wrong.
1: So if you're on LinkedIn specifically to generate leads and you are, let's say, small medium businesses or or small medium business or much larger, I would recommend first investing some time, be it six to 12 months, in just producing free value-add content, genuinely free value-add content, in order to build a community. And you might build A few thousand people, five to 10,000 followers within that time, especially if you're producing some, let's say, you know, edutaining content. And at some point when you're comfortable, you can then uh, switch or complement it by then going into the DMs or hiring a lead generation business and approaching people within your space. Um, So approaching them um, and, and have it be very, very targeted. And that can then complement your content creation journey and let's say your lead generation journey, call it offense and defense. But don't start selling and destroying the trust too early. So that's, that's my point.
0: How important is LinkedIn Live?
1: Because um, people seem to have to
0: fight to get it, didn't they, over the years? You know, it came out, you know, I, I got it relatively easy, but I've had people go, how did you get it? What happened? And I was like, I, I asked for it. And yes. people have like, still not got it, even though they've been asking for it over and over again.
1: How, how yeah. important is it? Um, Again, it depends what you do. Like, I mean, if if you want to use it as a channel to to further strengthen your community, and it's a very, very different way to putting out feed content because you're live with your audience. They can ask you questions. You can answer those questions. You can understand exactly what they want from you and and how you can add value to them. So it's a very different medium. And if you're keeping it consistent, um, it can be a very, very useful tool to make yourself visible. And the special thing about live video Is that there's no hiding behind live video you know you can't Photoshop or edit live video you know you can't cut it into pieces I mean it's you it's the camera it's your audience and there's something very authentic and genuine about that which I like so I've been doing a weekly live show called uh, level up TV with Michael Lane it was actually LinkedIn's first TV show so we we turned the live platform into a bit of a, a TV show format and it's been very very successful and we've actually Generated and built a, a very large level up community from that, so that's something that everyone can do. So having live is the ability to have your own TV show every single week or however often you choose to to go live, and that's very powerful. How much time do you spend on your own LinkedIn every week? LinkedIn for me is part of my business, so I mean LinkedIn for me is a huge amount of visibility. That's where my opportunities come in from. I have a team that. Helps me maintain my visibility. Um, obviously, I'm creating and curating a lot of content, but a lot of the admin stuff on LinkedIn uh, in terms of keeping up with comments and messages and that kind of stuff, obviously, I need support with now. Uh, but for me, I spend a good, you know, let's say three, four hours personally. Um, and that's a combination of creating content, um, engaging on content and also business related.
0: Now, you've been here in Dubai just a, a short period of
1: time. It's your first time of coming here. Yep. What do you think of it? I love it. <laughs> so I've, I've fallen in love with it. So for me, coming from this Egyptian heritage and also being raised in Australia, I feel like it's somewhere in between both, and I really get that vibe. The food is incredible, and I'm I'm doing this because I'm trying to hide my belly as we speak. <laughs> yeah, my wife is not going to recognize me, and it's a world of opportunity in every industry. So I'm I'm seeing blue ocean. I'm seeing gaps in different industries, um, and I'm really excited by it. And
0: we all agree the food's great, the great restaurants that are here. What do you, what do you think, in the, how, long, how long have you been here, two weeks? Literally two weeks. Literally two weeks. In the two weeks that you've been here, what industries, when you look at them, pop out and you're like, that could be better or that
1: could be better. What kind of things have you seen? Media, uh, entertainment, specifically those two industries I'm really excited about, especially entertainment. So I mean, I've seen a huge gap in TV and I know that Dubai specifically has huge plans to turn this region into the new Hollywood. And I have no doubt that they can do that. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be incredibly exciting. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, we're talking a, a country that's, you know, 50 years old. And with that comes so many opportunities to potentially improve on, on certain areas. So I'm personally looking into that. And it must have been pleasant to arrive in a country and not have to go into quarantine while you were here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how pleasant that was. It was very welcome. Yeah, yeah. And, and for those watching, I've been in lockdown for the last three and a half months in Sydney. It's been painful. Um, and keep in mind, that's our third lockdown. So, yeah, I'm going back to quarantine once I go back home. Oh, man. And how much
0: longer are you here for? One week. So three weeks and then into two weeks of lockdown. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Man, people in Dubai, you know, we're very, very fortunate. You know? we, we live in a country that um, doesn't have politicians that run it, okay? The royal families are in charge of this place. Yeah. And when they say this is what we're going to do, you do it. Yeah. There's no discussion. There's no people on the streets going, no, what about my rights? You know, yeah. There's none of that. The government yeah. said that's what you're doing. You're staying home for 23 hours a day. You can leave for an hour a day yeah. and do some exercise or you can go to the shops, but you must get permission. Well, because of that, we came out of lockdown faster than anybody else. And we never went back into lockdown again because of the vaccination program. And I know there's the anti-vaxxers and all that stuff going on out there. People going, I shouldn't have to have an injection. Well, the government said that's what's going to happen. You've got two choices. You can join the program or you can leave. But you're very welcome to join the program. So what would you (laughs) like to do? And... And I yeah. think it's, it's really interesting when you get a country that's, that's been no nonsense about it. We've seen property prices skyrocket like crazy in the last 12 months, like, like insane amounts of growth. We're here on the palm right now, off the charts, like literally off the charts. Yeah. And that's because people from all over the world were like, I'm going to go live there. I don't, want to, I don't want to live somewhere where, you know, I could be locked down again and again and again. I'm going to go live somewhere where they're, they're, they're open and allow me to live my life. Yep. Um, oh, and there's a benefit that we have from a tax point of view as well, which is quite, quite attractive. But, <laughs> but when, when, when you see that and then you compare it to Australia and you compare it to Jacinda down in, in New Zealand getting a load of flack recently and you see what's happened in Europe, it's like they've mastered it here. They've done some things really, really well. And we should, we should sometimes stop and appreciate, you know, how, how smart the government have been about doing what they've done. So the for pa- you, pan- it's got to be like a kind of like a breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah. The pandemic has reset the world, in my opinion. And a lot of people are shining their light on Dubai and on Africa, uh, which, is, which is very refreshing to see. You know, and, and the message here is that we are the future. And all you have to do is look around and, and you witness it. You know, so I only had to be here for 24 hours before I, I realised that, okay, this is very different to anything that I'm used to, not just culturally, um, but just in terms of the technology and in terms of the speed and how quickly they're evolving. I've never seen anything like it. You know, so mm. this is a space that people will be watching very, very closely, if not already. I think we geographically are in probably one of the best places in the world as well, because we're seven hours
0: from the Far East, we're seven hours from Europe, we're in 10 or 11 hours across from Australia. And we can fly with that great airline that we have. We can fly pretty much direct to anywhere nowadays. So it has that advantage. Okay, lastly, before I finish, I wanna talk about business with you, okay? Because we talked about LinkedIn. How do you make your money?
1: A few different ways. So I'm a presenter, I'm a host, I'm an ambassador, all of those generate revenue, and I'm also a social media consultant to high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. So as a
0: social media consultant to ultra high net worth individuals, what does that involve? The same as if I wasn't ultra high net worth, but just with more zeros on the end?
1: (laughs) So ultra high net worth individuals, like I said, do not need to generate leads. Sure, they have a very different approach to social media and to branding, and have a huge amount of influence that they want to translate to online. And most of them specifically LinkedIn, um, because you're not going to find them, you know, dancing and you know, and taking influencer shots and that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's what I do. I help build their influence and visibility online, specifically LinkedIn that helps them build their social currency and match this offline influence that they already have. Um, Because a lot of them in terms of being business people and very sophisticated business people, um, when they're doing very high-end business deals and they might have someone from a different country or from a a different project look them up online and they don't see anything, Mm -hmm. it kind of reduces that trust and if anything, it prolongs Mm -hmm. um, the sales cycle and they're very, very big sales um, projects. Um, And so for me, I, I just try and amplify what they already have. I don't create a character or anything like that. I just truly believe in understanding who they are and what they can bring to the table and just completely amplify that and build their influence and visibility that way. And so
0: do they want a done-for-you service or do they want to learn how to do it themselves and how much do you charge? It's a done-for-you service. So it's a done-for-you yeah. service. And how much would it cost them to do that?
1: Look, it's a white glove service. It depends on the work that they need. So you know, they can reach out to me and I can talk to them about what What's they What's the most about. they're going to ever spend? The most mm-hmm. they'll ever spend? Wow. Um, 15, 20K per month. Okay. Um, and look, it depends on the size of their team and how many brand ambassadors they want. Um, I've
0: got people that I know, very wealthy people that I know that are friends of mine. And I'm like, you're LinkedIn shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they've sold businesses for hundreds of millions and, and they've got um, a new business they're set up where they they want to invest that money okay, into startups and other, other business opportunities. And I'm like, nobody can research you because you're LinkedIn shit. You know, we've got a picture of you. We've got your name and, and there's not a whole lot else apart from your education there. Why aren't you doing it? oh, it's, oh it's, just, it's just a headache, it's a stress. And I'm like, yeah. but you, you need it. Now, maybe they're in their mid-50s, maybe they're in their mid-60s, but they really need to have that kind of visibility. So what you've been saying through this, this, this interview about that really resonates with me, because I'm just thinking I need to give you the names and numbers of a few people to help out that I know, because I'm like, don't you get it? But maybe some people just don't. Maybe, it's, it's, maybe it feels like it might just be too much hard work.
1: Oh, what about, what about, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's actually a lot of fear involved, and that's, that's what surprised me. So, I mean, I work with a lot of CEOs and, you know, CEOs of multinationals with 6,000 staff members underneath them. Very, very accomplished, but they have a fear of being on video, right? So, I mean, even just the process of creating content for them is relatively new, and they lack confidence in that area. And so sometimes part of the process is really just going through some of the basics, um, but absolutely, send them my way. I mean, I've got packages, anything from $2,000 per month up to 20000 Again, depending on how many staff and, and how many members of their leadership team they want to build their brand for. Uh, so I can certainly assist. Before we
0: finish, the last question. I've got 30,000 connections, followers, whatever they are on LinkedIn. Um, I think I produce content on a regular basis. If I came to you and I said, I want a million followers on LinkedIn, okay? I'll do whatever it takes, okay i don't mind if it takes three years but i'll do whatever it takes are you the person that says you can get me there
1: i will first only work with people that i feel can get there because the reality is not everyone can aha that's interesting yeah and i've spoken to a number of people about this and there is an x factor almost to becoming an influencer or to growing a large following that no one really talks about and that is you have to be (laughs) likable And there are some people that are just not likable, regardless of what you do. But what I'd like is three people that are not likable. <laughs> <laughs> the least likable people on LinkedIn, though. No, okay. And likable doesn't mean you have to be entertaining or funny or quirky, um, just some sort of likable quality. And How would you go
0: about My gosh, what a horrible thing to say to somebody.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> can you imagine that, having that conversation? I, I would not say I can't work with you because you're just not a likable person. <laughs> what would you say? I would say, look, I just, I don't think I can achieve your goals. Um, and, you know, perhaps I can recommend somebody else. And and you leave it with that poor person you recommend. <laughs> well, yeah. I've got to, a lead for you, mate. you got a
0: guy who's happy to pay the money.
1: <laughs> you have Good to make heart. sure you can manage their expectations. <laughs> and look, for some, growing million followers is not the right expectation. For others, generating 50 leads per month for, from LinkedIn doing what they do is not the right expectation. So, I mean, how long is a piece of string? It depends on I, the individual.
0: I like, I, out of all the channels, I like LinkedIn more than I like any of the others. I'm, I'm more, I'm more personally more engaged and committed to LinkedIn. But bizarrely, Instagram stories are what people seem to like the most. I never use stories on LinkedIn. Neither do I. I, I don't even understand why they're there. Well, they're actually removing stories. Are they?
1: Because it was... Um, incredibly unsuccessful
0: right okay i find that quite an interesting thing but they had to try
1: it though so well they had to try it they just they completely got the target demographic wrong and their behavior wrong the instagram audience loves stories and when i'm on instagram i love stories you know i'll flick through stories and, and reels all day when i'm on linkedin you know you kind of have a different mindset yeah you know i'm i'm kind of on linkedin for a purpose like i'm it's a business i'm connecting with people i'm networking i'm creating opportunities I'm not going to spend an hour just scrolling through stories and wasting time.
0: So if I came to you and said, that's what I want my outcome to be, okay, what do you do then first? So practically then you're going to go look through my profile. You're going to study everything about me and you're going to say, right, okay, can I get this guy to where he needs to go? Yeah. Okay. And let's say you say, yes, you can do that in your mind. You think you can do it. What work do I need to do to get there? Is there stuff I'm going to need to
1: create? Is there content I'm going to, need to create? It's, it's a super easy process. So, because of the nature of the people that I work with, like people like yourself, they're not going to spend hours per day on LinkedIn. You know, so I try and minimise the work for my clients to maybe one hour per week, and it's a completely done for you white glove service, and I take care of the rest. Initially, of course, I need your assistance to understand more about you, and so I'll take you through a personal branding checklist. And ask you a number of questions that I want you to answer and from there I can optimize your profile and your brand as in your LinkedIn profile and your LinkedIn brand to best reflect who you are and to amplify everything that you are from there my team will then create consistent content pieces for you everything from image posts to carousel posts to doing video edits to quote images Um, Again, completely centered around and aligned with everything that you and I have discussed about how you wish to be positioned. And we will do everything from post that content to comment on the comments that come through on your post to engage on other people's content. I mean, we're going to make you as visible as you possibly can be via your content and also via engaging on other people's content because that's a large part of the process as well. You can become very, very visible simply by commenting on very targeted people's posts. So it's a completely done-for-you service. Um, anyone that you feel is successful in their own right, but their online presence sucks, um, is where I can help. I build their influence and their visibility, and make that match their offline presence and their offline influence. It's a
0: lot of people. This is not just a high net worth thing. At the end of the day, yeah, the the, the, the ROI on spending two, three, four, five, six thousand dollars a month, okay, it, in the long term will be huge potentially you you sit there with hundreds of thousands of followers then it only takes you to post one or two things before you start to have people start thinking about what you do and how you make a difference and and the
1: exciting thing is the real world opportunities that come your way Mm -hmm. from building your brand building influence and visibility very very exciting things Mm -hmm. i mean when you when you jump on linkedin every single day and your messages are full of people that are inviting you onto podcasts and interviews um, asking to, to have a chat about your services, um, asking about a potential collaboration, or can we talk business and discuss a joint venture? I mean, when your inbox is full of those messages every single morning, it shifts everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's an investment and it's absolutely worth it.
0: It's been fantastic sharing the microphone with you and a fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is it still here this morning?
0: No, I think I think it's left us. And, and I want to, re- I really thank you for coming, and coming over because I know we tried to get this sorted out earlier on in the week and it didn't happen, but and yeah. Imam, thank you for joining us on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. So a really educational episode today, learning about how LinkedIn can really make a difference. And for me, that made me think, because I kind of think I'm doing okay on LinkedIn, but when I compare it to Ahmad, I'm nowhere. I've not even started. So it's a great lesson for me and hopefully it's been a great lesson for you too. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're listening on iTunes right now, please do me a massive favor and leave me a five-star rating. You've no idea how much that means. And if you're listening to this on any other podcast platform, show some love, give us a like, give us a follow, some engagement in some way because the more you do that, the more other people will see this content and be able to engage with it too. So it's always important to mention people that you partner with and partners for the podcast are Najahi Events and Najahi Tribe. Now, Najahi sounds like an unusual word, and it is, but it's Arabic for my success. And Najahi have brought some of the world-leading public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational leaders across to Dubai over the course of the years and Abu Dhabi, mind you. And Najahi, I don't know, people like Tony Robbins, ever heard of him? Okay, Nick Vujicic, no arms, no legs, no worries. Lisa Nichols, Prince EA, Jay Shetty, Alicia Keys. people like this and they bring them in and they run events and from those events we go and we learn from these incredible people on top of that they launched the najahi tribe recently where they have a collective of the world's greatest trainers that literally you can join become a member of take advantage of a training from all of these different people like real experts in their field I've got a sneaky suspicion I might be one of them as well. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully you will go and check them out for me because you enjoy these episodes of the podcast. And remember, it's always team effort and I can't do it without the support of these people. So go check out Najahi Events, N-A-J-A-H-I Events.com. I'll see you soon.